What's going on, Trophy Kids? We got a good one here for you today. On today's podcast, I am bringing you an interview we did with Jeff Nadeau. It was really good, I think. We talk a little bit about how he got started and his sort of origin story. Talk a little bit about how he's diverted a little bit from his content game and sports and gone a different direction, as well as you have him on, you got to talk a little college hoop at the end. So I hope you enjoy this one. More to come in this style, but let's go. All right, Trophy Kids, we are here. You may know him from Big Man on Campus. You may know him from the sit-down. You may know him from, honestly, some of the best college basketball takes on the internet. Jeff Nadeau, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well, man. I uh, appreciate you having me. Thanks for the nice intro. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be on your show. How's everything going? It's going good. Um, it's an interesting time. You know, we, we are so heavily focused on football here on, on Trophy Kids, transitioning into the new time period, trying to get some interviews going. Um, so we're very happy to have you. I actually came across you not too long ago, and I've got to say it's been one of the better finds, especially from kind of just a content standpoint. Um, I came across you through some of the beef that you had going on um, in the Barstool universe, and I've got to say... So it has worked. Yeah. Honest <laughs> to God, best, one of the best finds I've had. I mean, you know, your college basketball hoops, you're a very interesting follow. I mean, you've got a lot going on content wise. I'm even about to start watching. I think it was Gamora just because of your recommendations and what you've been saying on Twitter. So um, honestly, if you've not been following Jeff Nadeau, he is a must follow on Twitter at this point in time. I get people all the time. They'll say to me, can I swear or no? Oh yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I always get people, you fucking idiot. You're always trying to keep your connection a bar still. You're always fighting with people. And I think to myself, well, yeah, because people like it. I mean, it's funny. People are, are, are indebted with it. So uh, I'm glad it worked out. Um, but no, I, I appreciate that. I, I try to have fun. You know, I've, I've really tried to lighten up over the years. You know, I've been doing uh, Twitter for a long time and I've been here since 2009 so it's uh it's been a long run i've seen a lot of people come and go um but i think that the true professionals are the ones that are always still here and uh you know whether you love me or hate me i i, I love the game so uh i'm uh I'm, I'm happy that people like to see what i'm typing and uh yeah i try to put my opinions out there i think one of the problems that i've always had is i don't want to hear other people's opinions a lot of the time because the problem with opinions are most are stupid yeah. Um, and some of mine are stupid occasionally. So, uh, yeah, I, I um, you know, whether it's TV or movies or food or, you know, just my thoughts, I like to put them out there. And that's the good thing about Twitter. It's always been my main social network. I I don't really use Instagram. I don't really use Facebook like that. So, you know, I'm happy with Twitter. It's always been fun for me. Yeah, I, I think the other thing that comes across is just the wealth and knowledge you have in areas, um, which has always been impressive. And I, I think that kind of leads me in the first part of how did you get started in this past? Like, what is the Jeff Nadeau or, origin story? You know, how did you start getting into the content game and kind of getting your opinions out there and, and getting to the place where you are today? Well, I, um, I had a, you know... I, I've always loved sports. Like that's always been in my blood. I mean, since I was a kid, I was never watching like cartoons or not. And I was always watching sports or, you know, something uh, tangible. And, you know, throughout high school, I was into sports, that kind of thing. But, um, I, you know, I remember back in, you know, I was 17, 16, 17 years old. And I did, I did the announcements at school for like two straight years in high school. And I kind of had 
an interest in media. I was always kind of the, the, the star student in the video production classes and things like that. You know, I, I, I put out the announcements to, you know, a thousand kids every day. So I, I never had a problem with talking in front of people. And I always kind of try to say to myself, I don't really want to go to college. I don't really know what I want to do for a long time, but I had a feeling it would be sports in some way. The problem is I never had a degree and to go to a lot of these places, you need a degree. And it was like 2009, 2010, I, I created Twitter. And I, I just, I remember there's a video, I don't know if it's still out there, but it was the first video I ever did um, I put out a, a free pick on a game. It was the Chargers when they were in San Diego against, I want to say Denver. It was a Monday night football game. And I remember it lost. And, uh, you know, from then on, I just was hooked. I started doing podcasts. Nobody listened to them. I just did it just to try to master the game. And, you know, I think when you first start out and you create a show, you have to realize, you know, even if people don't watch it, you're learning, you're doing something, you have hands-on training going on. And, you know, then I just, you know, kind of took it from there. It was always steps for me, you know, eventually maybe start giving out picks on some sort of uh, a website or something. And that's exactly what I did. I went to an offshore sports betting company that put out video content. And I, I knocked on their door a couple of times. And I was just like, look, you know, let me, let me just do stuff for free. Like I, I, you know, I'll pay you even like, I just want to get on something. And, you know, eventually they let me on. I did well with it. They gave me my own show. Eventually I started getting paid for it. Then the goal was always to, to leave the, the nine to five job. I knew I was never cut out to, to live that life. Um, my mother, father always taught us to, to go out and like create our own companies and things like that. So I kind of just took it, you know, year by year and started to build a following and then make some money off it. Then I left the world of, of nine to five and, you know, now I'm here and, you know, I work for the biggest media company on earth basically right now. Well, one of them. So uh, yeah, it's been a long road, but you know, you, you really have to do a lot of stuff that you don't think matters. You know, every follower counts, every video view counts, every audio view counts, every, you know, piece of content counts, and you're going to do a lot of shit that you don't want to do that nobody watches, but it's good for you long-term. I think that's a great point and something that I think kind of led me to my second question and interest in as to what you thought in your early days, what are the things you were doing that thought helped you get to the place you are? And I think, you know, in a world where we're kind of content saturated, it is sort of that hustle mentality of like, I just got to do as much stuff as I can for as long as I can to hopefully break through. Do you think that was kind of what led you to the success or were there other things, small things that you were doing at the time that you look back on now and you're like, man, I thought that was dumb at the time, but that's really kind of helped give me a skill yeah. set to launch me forward. Well, two things that I think that I owe a lot, my, a lot of uh, what I've had success wise to is the fact that you know, I just did it before a lot of other people, you know, I feel like if I get into the content game now, I mean, it, it would be way harder, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, it was something I was doing way before everybody else. I mean, I, I remember the original gambling Twitter and it was, you know, 10, 20 people. And, you know, some of them are still around today, but, you know, they just kept doing it and kept doing it, and kept doing it and found a way to, to, to get through it all. And, you know, I, I guess the, the way I've always been, you know, it's I think it's hurt me a lot before, as far as being abrasive and just kind of out there with people. But it's also built a following. You know, a lot of people like when I, you know, put a rant video out or they, they you know, when I when I fire back at somebody that says something stupid, you know, people like that for the most part. And even the people that don't like it, they still follow me and they still watch me. And that was always the goal. I remember watching um a film about Howard Stern many years ago, he had a, a movie he made called Private Parts. And he, I remember when he, he was first at WNBC, 
he would he would always talk about how he had like really loyal fans but the people that watched him the longest were the ones that hated him and i always felt like for me you know i i have people that have you know not even i mean not even kidding like literally have stalked me for years and you know but they're the one they watch every show i do they they listen to every podcast i put out so you know i think if you're just an average person where like you know no one really has an opinion on you that's kind of where I try to stay away from. I either want you to love me or hate me because you both are going to watch. And, uh, you know, there's something I've done that I'm not proud of, but I think it's ultimately shaped me into being someone different and someone that stands out. And, um, you know, people like controversial, they like reality TV, they like things in lives that aren't our own. So, you know, I try to just be different a little bit and, and not be like everybody else. Yeah. And that's, that's a super interesting point. I mean, it's constantly true. I mean, I think there's a bunch of companies that have sort of made that their model. I mean, look at the WWE, Howard Stern. You could say the same thing with Barstool Rogan's in the controversy right now. It's interesting how that that works to kind of break through. Um, yeah, but what, but there's a point you get to. And, you know, I think outside of saying like something really disastrous, you know, you know, some really bad racial stuff, right. something like that, you know, it, it, someone like Joe Rogan is, is uncancelable, you know, like, he can't like he's too big to fail you know and i'm not saying like that i'm too big to fail but like there's a reason i'm still here you know after 12 years you know 14 years like i i'm just solid you know what whether you don't like it or not i have a passion for what i do and i'm constantly looking at other ways to succeed and you know whether it's a mafia podcast or sports betting or or whatever you know, I'm always going to find a way to, to, to make it work for myself. And, you know, I got to a point like a year ago where I had to kind of recognize leaving Barstool wasn't easy to do. I could have stayed there and got another contract probably and been unhappy and, you know, had people trying to fuck with what I was doing. But ultimately, I just said to myself, you know what, this isn't the right opportunity for me right now. Maybe someday it will be, but I know that I could always go on my own and, and, and I have a following. And, once you build that and you have a following, you can kind of do what you want to do. And, you know, I just said someone five minutes ago, you know, that's why we're not a bar store anymore. It's like, well, you know, no, it's because I want to make my own money and I make more money on my own. Like I'm not going to sit there and, and I, I don't want to be indebted to where I have to work to, for someone. I want to always be able to make my own money. And, you know, it allowed me to go out and, and, and lose weight and it allowed me to live a life that some people don't, you know, most people don't have time to do things. I have a schedule that allows me to do stuff like get my health in check, start a mafia podcast that if I didn't start, I mean, it, it's turned into something that's been really successful for me. So, you know, I've always trusted in my own um, decision-making and it worked out. How have you balanced that over the course of your career where I think, you know, especially somebody like me, and I think a lot of people who are trying to break through, there's almost that, you know, feeling of, you know, why listen to me? Am I somewhat of an imposter and kind of fighting that? I think they call it like imposter syndrome or some nonsense, but it's sort of that early day when you're trying to break through. How did you balance that and kind of get to a point where you're just like, you know what? I'm going to bet on myself. I know this material inside and out. Like I'm going to keep putting things out there and kind of go from there. Did you ever deal with that at all? Or um, have you always kind of had that mentality of just like, I'm always betting on myself. I got to trust in myself and kind of go from there. Well, yeah, because I, I remember, um, you know, when I first started doing this, like back early 2010s, you know, that was at a point in my life where I wasn't real happy with what I was doing. I was, you know, I was like often like my father's a company, I was working for him and I didn't really want to do that. It was construction and, you know, I was trying to break through and 
I've always been really a proud guy and I've never, I've never talked about this publicly. You're, I don't know why I'm telling you it, but I'm going to tell you it. I remember when I first started doing this, I wanted, I wanted to do gambling. I wanted to do content, stuff like that. And I remember, you know, there would be times where, you know, you'll go broke. Like I went broke a couple of times and I was so proud. I didn't want to go to my parents and ask them for money. And there were times where like, I had to grind it out and make it happen. And, you know, I felt like for me, you know, I'm not going to go and take easy way out. I'm going to keep doing it, keep firing away. And, you know, at that point, and I've always said this, I think what made it easier for me is I didn't have a family. I didn't have a wife. I don't have any kids. So like, I'm able to take more chances, you know, where, you know, I don't, you don't need that much money to survive. So for me, you know, as long as I had a job that, that paid my bills, I was able to take shots on hobbies and stuff that I like to do. And it just ended up turning into something, but it takes time. Like, like I said to you, man, like I, I did a lot of content. I put a lot of time in, you know, I I went through a lot of different things. It seems like a long road as far as when I started out, you know, doing some of those videos on that random offshore sports betting company website to now where I'm totally self-sufficient. I can make money, um, and, 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 you know, make a good amount of money per year and pay taxes and be a normal human being completely on content. A lot of people can't say that. Right. And, you know, it's just through different things. And, and like I said, you know, it's going to take some sacrifice to do it. Like, you know, do, you know, some people in like their twenties, they want to go out every night. I spent a lot of time just sitting in my house, watching basketball and learning shit and reading. And, you know, I, I guess I just, didn't want to fail and, and try to keep going at it. I, I can relate to that in a sense because, you know, we're in a stage where we're trying to break through and do those things. And, it, you know, our area is mostly football, but I am watching Pac-12 at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday or just kind of grinding it out. And I think that hit to the the point that comes across when I've seen your content is it's just how knowledgeable and the, the breadth of depth you have around the subjects you're talking about. It really comes across well. Um, and that's the thing, man. Like, if... It, you know, sports, sports content, for instance, is, I mean, it's, it's hard to break through because everybody's doing it. Like everyone can create a podcast about sports, but for me, you know, some people they'll they'll do a podcast and they'll say, well, I'm just going to talk about football. You know, well, you're, I get it, but like, you're only able to talk about football then. Like, luckily I've always had content where I can do different content at different times. And you know, I've always kept it open to like being kind of interesting. So, you know, everyone can talk about football, as I said, but you want to do it in an interesting way. You want to be really, you know, have, have a lot of knowledge or be able to talk about any team or you got to do something that no one else is doing. And, you know, it is all about who you know, sometimes, right. You know, like I remember when, you know, the first time Portnoy reached out to me, like, you know, that was because I had a connection to big cat and I mean, i'm sure you'll ask me about that at some point i can tell you about it but like you have to start to like try to knock on people's doors right yeah. so like you're you're taking the step by like contacting someone like me who will retweet and then someone will see your show and then uh, another person will see it then another person it takes time it's not going to happen overnight though absolutely i appreciate that and um that kind of leads me to the point since you've been in this for so long and the game has changed i mean just since i got in it a couple years ago it's been changing especially in the gambling space how have you seen that kind of evolved and how have you adapted into that space to kind of keep yourself continue to grow followers continue to to kind of push the noise out there um, and grow bigger and bigger year over year. How have you kind of adjusted and what changes have you seen that have made it difficult or have made it you successful in that space? 
Well, the only adjustment I've really made is I've grown up and, and I act a little different now, but like, to be honest with you, bro, like I don't, I don't have any dreams anymore in the sports betting business. I feel like it's, you know, not really for me anymore, to be honest. Like I'll always be able to put out my own content and I'll have, you know, companies that I'll work for and, 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 you know, through different seasons, whether it's football or basketball or whatever. And, you know, I can do really well doing that i've given up trying to i wouldn't say given up i'm done trying to you know strike it huge as sportsman because the truth of the matter is uh, nate i'm not i'm not a beautiful woman i'm not a young guy anymore i'm not you know trendy i don't act cringy i don't make tiktoks that ain't for me man yeah. like <laughs> I, i'm i'm a just get down in the gutter and talk about wagner against sacred heart like that's my thing and the truth is, like, most of these companies don't want that. They want to, you know, these beautiful people that I'm just not ever going to be. I'm never going to be fake. I'm not going to dress differently because they want me to. I'm not going to not say fucking asshole because you don't want me to. I want to be able to speak my mind. I do it all the time. And that's one of the reasons one of the companies I work for now I really enjoy because, you know, I could sit there every day. And if, if, if Fran McCaffrey doesn't coach Iowa well, I could talk about Fran McCaffrey. You know, they're you have to be buttoned up on these certain companies and you have to act a certain way. And, you know, that was one of the things that drew me to bars though. I could always be who I wanted to be. And, you know, I, I didn't have to act fake, but as far as sports is concerned, I'm at the point now where I'm finally happy. I'm able to put my own content out there. I, I can you know tweet and I can do, you know, my own uh, stuff. And there's always an avenue for me to, to find it to people. And, you know, to be honest, I think the future for me is, is going to be the podcast I created. I think there's a much bigger market in that and we'll see where it goes. But um, as far as changing, I haven't really changed anything. I guess I just grew up and, and I'm not as much of a dick to people, but I always have the old adage of, if you're an asshole to me, I'm an asshole to you. It's pretty simple. That if you act fair. nice to me, I'm a nice to you, you know? I think that's a fair principle to live by. And I, I like how kind of also you've been self-reflective and like, yeah, I've made some mistakes. Because in today's day and age, it's so hard to hear people go like, yeah, you know, I made some mistakes. I grew up and I, I kind of, I've done things. And I think the thing that's appealing to you, at least from my point of view and, and people similar to me, is that you are real um, and that you are kind of grinding it out and talking about games that maybe don't get talked about on ESPN or The Ringer or The Atlantic or some other big kind of... Um, media or you know the standard typical media um is what i've liked especially when you load on to like tiktok or something you see people in the gambling space or sports space and it's it's interesting to say the least um one of the things i'm always interested in is you know i think you've been your story is really kind of cool and neat and you see it in multiple ways i mean the way you've grinded and gotten to the point you are you even see that in the incredible journey i saw through your weight loss in which you've kind of transformed I think that speaks a little bit to maybe the early part of like that grind versus rest. And when you're early in your career, you just got to kind of keep going, 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 going. But at some point, do you find that that kind of hurts the workload and there has to be somewhat of a balance? And have you been able to find that balance that gives you kind of a healthiness even before now, I guess? Was there a no. moment where you realized like, you know what, I got to change this up. And what was that? No, there isn't. There isn't. I, uh, I'm kind of married to the game. That's kind of always how it's been. You know, I have mostly the same, uh, the, the same process every year. You know, I, I will say though, like over the last couple of years, I put out like every year I'll put out a goal for myself. So, you know, 2020, it was, 
you know, and obviously on January 1st, 2020, I don't think anybody thought it would be the year that it ended up being. Um, but I told myself, you know, I'm going to lose weight. And it, it, it ended up happening. And then 2021 last year, my goal was to, um, you know, do something I'd always wanted to do. And it really was centering around the idea that I had to do the sit down. I created that. This year, it's to hopefully sell the sit down to somebody that wants it, because I think it needs to be on a bigger stage. And hopefully do what you said, make more time for myself. And, you know, I think that's something I'll do this summer. You know, I'm, I'm in a little different financial picture right now. I want to buy a house. So that's obviously something I'll do. But, you know, I want to go, you know, take a trip, you know, maybe spend a couple of weeks at the shore this summer, you know, kind of just put the phone down and, and not, not do this every day. Because, you know, I remember like, I mean, I've never been on a big, I've never been on, I mean, outside of going to the Jersey Shore, like I've never been to like, I've never went to Mexico. I mean, I'll be honest, bro. Right now, my whole family's in Mexico for 12 days. I didn't go. I don't have the time. I got too much going on. So like, it's not a good time in February to go to Mexico, you know? Right. So hopefully once April gets here, you know, I'll take, you know, we'll do some NBA, do a little baseball, but for the most part, you know, it, it's, maybe one show a day and that's it. And um, weekends off and try to try to live a different life. But yeah, I don't have any balance. That's the problem. And that's one of the reasons that I've realized, like I probably will never be able to have like a normal relationship and that kind of thing, because I've never been able to create the time that I need to give to that other stuff. I think I would assume that kind of speaks to just the hardness of this business and just, you know, people who want to get into it, who want to be content creators, who want to have kind of their opinions listened to or in the sports media. It is that grind factor that you're talking about. Well, that being said, though, I also have kind of a different life where, like, for me, I have nothing I have to do until one o'clock every day now. So it's like, it's nice. I don't go to bed until three, three 30 in the morning. I don't wake up till 10. I live a way different schedule than most. So it's like, you know, but, but it sucks as well because like I, from one o'clock, you know, I'll have pockets of time where like, I'm not doing something. And then I got to go work out. And before I know it, it's five, six o'clock and you know, the, the day's gone already. So I don't know. Someday I, I hope that I have a more normal life, but you know, it, it's really not that bad. So I, I'm pretty happy with what I'm able to do. I like that. And you've mentioned a couple of times, how did you branch off into the sit down? Cause that is something that's interesting to me with when somebody makes kind of a pivot when it seems, and like I said, I hadn't been following you for too long, but it, they sort of coincided, you know, when you're so content heavy in one area and then you make a pivot, how did that idea come about? Um, and what was your process behind kind of launching that show and getting into that? Where, where did that kind of spring from? Yeah. I mean, I've always enjoyed reading, you know, I've always enjoyed learning about stuff and I've always had a real love for like mafia organized crime history. You know, I, um, just, just, you know, through movies and TV and things like that. And I just, you know, I, a lot of people like, like true crime and stuff like that. I, I was never into that. It was more of like the mafia lens and, I remember when I was at Barstool, I, I just kind of, we could blog about whatever we wanted. And I would occasionally blog about mob stuff. And when I saw something going on and it would do really well. And I noticed like, like on YouTube, like mob videos did super well. And I'd always wanted to do it. I had the idea for like two years. And I remember when I was there, I, I actually had considered doing it with another um, employee there. And we never ended up getting it to go. And I remember I was doing big men on basketball. So I just didn't have the time. And then I left and I thought, you know what? It was, 
I left in February of 2021. I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. It was right after the, um, the March Madness tournament. I said, you know what? I'm going to release this thing. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put an episode out. I talked with my co-host, Blackjack Fletcher. I said, you want to do this with me? And he said, yeah, I'd love to. And we did the episode. And I think for me, like I expected, you know, if I can get like a, or like a little audience, like that would be great. And I just did it. And now we're, you know, 45 episodes in. And I mean, I'm over a million listens at this point. I'm, I'm doing awesome. Yeah, I'm doing I mean, every month, I mean, last month we did 144,000 listens. I mean, I'm doing, I'm on pace for 200 this month. So, you know, now I'm making money on it. I mean, it, I'm, I'm selling ad space on it. It's, I mean, it's making me, you know, I'm hoping by summer I'm making probably, you know, a you know, good amount of money per month just to do ads for a show that we have. So, you know, the goal is to, to obviously sell the show. I think it could be on a bigger stage, you know, with interviews and things like that, but I just love it. I like telling a story each week and we patterned the show to a point where, you know, most podcasts in the crime space, you have to listen week to week, right? Our show is, is totally ancillary. Like you could listen to episode three and then you could listen to episode 37 and it wouldn't matter. There's a beginning, a middle and an end to each show. And that's how we wanted it to be. And we have so many more great shows to do. And I actually also, man, it's kind of crazy. I, I always know that when you create, create a brand in media. So let's say you start a podcast, you should have a Twitter account for it, which we do. You should have a YouTube channel associated with it because our podcast is audio. I created a video component to it as well. And I mean, I'm on pace for 10,000 subs by June. So, you know, I'm just really happy with, with everything that's happened with it. And I'm actually working on a super big opportunity in the mob space that that's kind of under wraps right now that it's probably going to be my, um, it's going to be my like all American moment. I think it has the potential to be absolutely gigantic. I don't, it will put me on a huge stage that no one's ever done what the company I'm going to be with about to do. So that's awesome. It, it's all opened up. And I, I, I never thought that the future for me may be just, you know, investigation through like mobs. Like I'm kind of like a journalist at this point. So, um, you know, if, if you can't do it through a college degree, you just go out and get it yourself. And, you know, I have ideas like I'd like to write some books someday about the mob and, um, you know, who knows where it will go. So that's awesome. I mean, that's a huge congratulations to you. I mean, that's the American dream right there, right? What you're describing here and what you've been able to accomplish so far and what your goals are going forward. Where should people just be following you at Jeff Nadu for that news, hopefully? To break in the future here or since you said it's under wraps for now where yeah i mean what's it, the best it, it, place for people to be keeping up with you for that type of stuff yeah i mean it'll be on both my twitter accounts I, it'll probably be out there i'm sure you'll hear about it it's uh it's it's a pretty landmark thing that we're doing and uh i um i don't know when exactly it's going to be but it's going to be a really interesting kind of melding together sports and the mob genre so uh, it, like it's that. an idea that I kind of connected the right people with and they came to me and they said, well, well, who better to host it than you? So, um, you know, we'll see, you know, you never know. It could fall apart. Who the hell knows? But, uh, we're hoping to have a soft launch on it this summer sometime and then be ready for, for the football season. So That's awesome. yeah, uh, really everything I do is on Twitter, but, um, but yeah, I, I, if you like mafia history, we, uh, we try to have a fun time with it each week. I, I, I like that way of kind of making sure, you know, because that is so true about that crime. It's one of the reasons I've 
kind of I watch documentaries on stuff like that, but I've never really gotten to the podcast because you do have to keep week up to week up. And I do like how you kind of every episode is its own thing. Like you don't have to listen to episode three to get episode five. I do like that formula and what you're doing there in that space. What one of the things I'm always interested in is creative process. And I know, you know, you're not going to pull the curtain all the way back, but what does your creative process look like on something like that? Or just in general, you know, when you're coming up with that show idea, how did your creative process work and how do you normally operate? You know, it's funny that you ask that because people ask me that all the time, like with, even with basketball or with sports or whatever. And like, how do you recite the things the way you do? Right. So, you know, you're not looking at me right now, but you're looking at me now. Right. So I sit here and I'm speaking to you and looking at you and I'm focusing on the camera and I can echo something out as I'm saying it. Um, I'll take the camera off. You probably don't want to see me, but it's really just memory. A lot of it where like I, I have tons of books and I just read them and I do a lot of like writing. Right. So I, I have these, you know, notebooks and I'll, so let's say my topic is John Gotti. Um, you know, obviously I have to go out and get the fine tooth details and I look through, you know, books and things like that. But I also read through court documents, indictments, um, newspaper articles. Um, I just really try to focus on the subject and, kind of create just like a map of their life. So you obviously start at the beginning, their birth and, and you know, what was their childhood like? Um, you know, when did they get into the life? You know, what did they do at an early age? You know, and a gangster's life is quite similar. They're all kind of similar in a way where, you know, they probably are born to a tough family. They go out in the streets. They don't know many prospects. They see the guy on the street with the, the suit and the nice car and the money, and they want to be like that. So they get into you know, petty crime. And then, you know, it all kind of matriculates, but every subject's different. You know, some people are um, guys that spend a lot of time in prison. So you look through a lot of their indictments and it's kind of hard to explain, but I kind of just meld it into like a story. You know, what, what would my life story be like and what details would I include? I try to tell the listener something that they never knew about someone because, you know, a lot of the people we talk about have been covered, um, but we try to not always talk about people that have been covered, but tell you something new and then tell you about people that you probably haven't heard of that have interesting stories as well. Yeah, I think that's super neat. One of the the best skills I think people can have is what you're describing is collecting all that information and telling it, being a storyteller in the way you're doing it, I think is a, a huge kind of skill set that you've gotten and, and something to be feel really accomplished about. I actually, I see the sit down Twitter all the time and speaking to the points like, yeah, there are those guys that you know about the goddies of the world, but I see through that stuff that I never knew or, or, or saw before. And it's very interesting. Um, speaking in that space, cause it is a big space. It's something that has probably taken hold of media across the board for a very long time. What do you think the media in this space gets wrong or films or television show that you think done a really good job and things that are just completely ridiculous and kind of sets you apart from the rest um, in that space. I mean, we, um, I put my utmost into everything. And the problem with the space is it's not, it's not easy, right? Because again, I'm not in the mafia. Okay. I wasn't there. Okay. I didn't, I wasn't at the Paul Castellano assassination. I don't know exactly every single fine tooth point, but I feel like through, you know, corroborated research through confirmation kind of stuff. Um, you know, I try to do my best in putting out the right stuff. As far as movies, I mean, most movies aren't true. They're not accurate at all. Um, you know, I, I could go through every mob movie and tell you what was accurate and what wasn't. Um, you know, some of the movies that are very realistic would be Casino. I, I, I don't, 
I don't know much about that film that it's not correct. It's mostly very true. You know, Goodfellas, there's, there's some issues about that film. Then there are films like The Irishman that are completely false and none of it happened. Yeah. Um, you also have to, you also have to look past the, um, the charlatans, right? The people that, you know, we think were, were this, and, you know, some of the informants that are out there telling stories, you know, most of those people are not telling the truth. Um, and I've also had situations where like, you know, I have, um, people in the space that, that, that can't stand me. You know, I, I mean, I've talked about it pretty openly. What's the the daughter like? of the daughter of John Gotti can't stand me. She hates me. Um, huh. why she hates me, you know, that's, she doesn't think I do a good job. She doesn't think I tell the right story. And, you know, you're not going to have everyone like you, but I try to do as best I can. And look, if I get something wrong or it's something you disagree with, you know, make sure you provide corroboration to what you're saying, you know, and um, I do a lot of videos that people sometimes aren't happy with. You know, I did a video on her own father. She wasn't happy with. And, you know, I told her I can't, I'm not going to change history because you don't like it, you know, and, I don't work for anyone. I work for myself and we're telling a story about people's lives. And, you know, I do a lot of like, I go to the families of these people. You know, we did an episode recently on a guy, uh, Stephen Crea. He's a underboss in Lucchese crime family. I know his son. And, and I went to him and I said, look, can you tell me some things that I'm looking to find out? And, you know, sometimes they help you. Sometimes they don't. I've had gangsters reach out to me um, through email you know, through fake names and things like that. But it was pretty evident who they were. And some of them were happy or, or nice. And some were just, you know, they were kind of concerning when they talked to me. So, you know, you just try to create your own process and it's not always going to be perfect, but we try to always tell the right story. We don't get got much. I'm pretty good with understanding what's real and what isn't. And um, it's worked out. I think the thing that kind of got me to that point is when I saw, I think it was on Twitter, correct me if I'm wrong here, the sit down podcast tweeted out about Frank Lucas and not having anything to do with the Italian mob, which I watched American gangster. I think like most people did would have never known that. And that's something I liked about kind of what you were doing and setting the records correct to the best of your ability. Um, how I is think film one real quick, one yeah. thing about film is like, you have to realize like they look for the most salacious story and tell it. Right. So absolutely. Frank Lucas, you know, had the fur coat and like, it was an interesting story to tell but most of it was fiction like first of all a lot of people don't realize but frank lucas was getting his heroin from a guy named frank matthews who was actually the guy they should have made the film about like there are people above these people a lot of the time and like frank matthews has a wild story in his own right like he was the supplier he was selling you know thousands of kilos a year and he made you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And, you know, he, you know, was under indictment by the federal government. They put a, you know, they gave him bail on a, on a charge he was on and he jumped bail, left the country and he's never been seen again. No one's seen him since the late seventies and he could be alive. He could be dead, but he literally skipped town with a hundred million dollars. That's the story that should have been told. Not, you know, I Frank agree. Lucas who ended up. Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot of it's just salacious stuff. It, it's, important that a lot of people just don't take what movies tell you and say, well, well, that just, I guess it's real then. Um, you know, the thing about real quick, like the mob, for instance, like Al Capone, for instance, you know, it, it, history would tell you through movies and TV that Al Capone is the most famous mobster ever. Right. Yeah. If you actually realize anything about Al Capone, Al Capone is not a, 
a mobster. He never took a blood oath. He's not, he was never part of the mafia. He was a gangster that ran a gang. That's what he was. Um, John Gotti, you know, people recognize him. They recognize him because of how he looked and what he was like. He was really only the boss for like five years. He didn't do anything like incredible for the mob. So there's like more stories than just John Gotti and Al Capone. There, there's a much deeper group that you don't know about that literally at certain points ran this country. So um, we feel important to tell those stories as well. And this is the exact reason, folks, as to why you need to be following the sit down. I mean, that was super interesting and something that I like, especially that, that I enjoy is kind of learning the real history of things. Um, and that that is why you guys need to be following the sit down podcast. Um, I had no idea about some of that stuff. And you're right about the Al Capone thing. I mean, he's in everything from Boardwalk Empire to, I mean, the vast majority of our mainstream media, I would say. Um, so very interesting. How is it dealing in that space? Do you... I got to imagine it's not easy dealing in that space. How how do you kind of navigate that and, and and work within to get the best product out to the to the from a content point to your audience? Well, I just say to myself, would I enjoy listening to this, right? Because because I feel like I have a pretty good judge of like what's good and what isn't. Um, and you know the numbers haven't lied. You know people have come back. We continue to get new people. Um, the, the comments have been ninety five percent awesome. Um, you know. And we've had to obviously grow with the show. We've had to change some things. You know, we we both personally, me and Blackjack, we both have a certain stance on, you know, people that are informants that that decide that you know, they want to be a part of the mafia. And then when it gets really tough, they're going to tell on everybody. Um, you know, for us personally, we're not big fans of those people. But we also have realized as the show goes on, you know, there are certain people that are part of history that became informants and you know, we're probably going to have to talk to them. The thing about that is though, we need to ask them the questions that people want us to ask them. And, you know, I'm not in this in an agenda. Like I don't work for the Gotties. I don't work for, you know, any family. I, I work for myself. I'm trying to tell a story. Um, and to be honest, like, I don't think the mafia is going to come kill me because I tell a story about the history. I I'm not scared of that. I'm not worried about that. I just want to tell a story um, and, and, you know, there are guys that do this and have done it for a long time, but eventually they're not going to be around anymore. There's going to be a need to be a new person that takes on the mantle of, of putting this stuff out there. So, um, you know, I, I would just say we, we, we try to take people's opinion and, and we try to work on some of the things that maybe haven't worked. You know, one of the problems that we have, I know, with some of the comments we get on the show is some people say that we glorify the people that we talk about too much. And that's not the goal that we have we have made it very clear that the people we talk about are bad people. I mean, you know, 99% of them are awful individuals. Um, you know, they took, they stole, they killed. Um, and we kind of talk at the, about them from a glowing standpoint sometimes. And, you know, we need to kind of reel ourselves back in sometimes, but, you know, some of these people are fascinating. They're regal people, you know, they've, you know, they've got interesting personalities and they're charming and, you know, I think sometimes we get lost in not remembering who exactly they are. And, um, you know, we have to kind of get a happy balance of all this stuff. And see, this is why I like you, Jeff, to do is because you, I mean, everything you just said there is perfect about what you would want somebody who's creating content in a space like this that has historical balance, who wants to keep it true, doesn't want to necessarily glorify it, but, you know, in is self-reflective in the process. I mean, a round of applause for you on that one. Um, and I think for anybody who is not familiar with the show, I would go go download it, go listen to it. Um, and I, I look very much forward to kind of what kind of continues to come out of that space and what you continue to do. Do you think that moving forward is kind of where you're going to spend most of your time? Is that kind of 
your goals going forward or do you, what are kind of your goals, I guess, going forward? Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, I mean, we'd, we'd like to sell the show. Um, we want to keep doing it, but we, we want it to be like, I think the only problem we have now is that enough people don't know what's out there. Right. You know, we, we continue to try to promote it as best we can. You know, we've gotten some timely, um, you know, people that have a big space to, to talk about it, but you know, we want to, we want to get someone behind it that can, you know, obviously help us in, in going to some of the huge guests in the space and, and trying to get them and, um, you know, really kind of taking it to another level. You know, I, I feel like eventually the show could be, you know, obviously not Joe Rogan, but we want a, a similar type of show where like it's an interview type of show. Um, we talk about people's stories. We have interesting people that come in. You know, I have other ideas for, um, for, for stuff that I want to do in the prison system and things like that. And um, there, there's just all sorts of ways I want to take it. And I, th I think it could be a media, huge media thing. And as I've said, the mob is always popular and it's just really for us right now is not everybody knows it exists. So we want to get it to a bigger audience and, you know, a company behind it. I, there were, there was a little bit of a, of a, of a thought that I was trying to get at the bar still. I've had some conversations with people there and, you know, I've sent them my numbers and it's really just about getting in front of Portnoy. And, and, and I, you know, he was interested in it at one point and we think it can be quite big. I mean, we think it has the ability to be, you know, one of the bigger shows they had if they brought it there. So, um, and what that will do is we can go to their talent department and say, okay, can we get, you know, uh, uh, Joe Pesci, you know, can we actually make that happen? Can we get a, a Sammy Gravano? Can we get, um, you know, uh, a, 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 a former high-end lawyer, you know, can we get these type of people? So, um, you know, we enjoy just telling the stories, but it's also important to interview people and, 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 and get it right from their mouth, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And I, I think that leads me to kind of my, my next point and something I think that a lot of people in this space and what you've talked about is kind of that networking piece. How have you managed to find success in that? Because, you know, you ended up at Barstool for a little bit. You've went back from there that's a story probably within it itself which if you want to tell by all means go ahead but kind of how have you found success in networking and and um and work that angle to kind of make your shows bigger and to get in front of more audiences what kind of success have you had there and what do you think has led to that um well i guess i was never um I guess I was always just kind of looking at the next, like what, what was next for me. So like for Barstool, like I was connected to big cat. This was back in like 2017, 2018. And I was doing really well with college basketball and he followed me and we kind of had a conversation occasionally. And I just started giving him picks one day. It was, it was just like during February, March, kind of like this time. And we were winning. I was doing some good things for him. And this was back before PASPA, the, the gambling laws were passed. And, um, they were at their old office and and he said to me one day, he said, Hey, you know, I think you're kind of interesting. I think you're pretty funny. You have a good personality. Would you ever want to speak to, to Dave about your ideas? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, fuck yeah. And, uh, you know, a couple of days later, he reached out to me and set up a time. I went up to New York and I remember he told me like, I look like a gambler. Like that's exactly what he told me. And, and we sat down and we went through kind of, what I wanted to do. And he kind of said to me, you know, be patient. You know, we're hoping that in the next six months, PASPA gets passed, you know, and at that point they hadn't been bought by Penn or anything. And we kind of just kept, kept, uh, you know, connected to each other. And they actually offered me a contract back in 2018 and I declined it because it just, for me, I was making too much money on my own. And, 
and uh, they wanted me to move to New York and stuff. And we always had maintained contact and, and he kind of reached out to me randomly and we ended up working it all out. But yeah, I've always tried to make good connections with people that, you know, A, have money, B, are willing to bring me aboard and, and deal with them, you know, and I try to give them a good job and everything all works out. But you can't just be stationary. You have to always try to be meeting people and letting them know who you are. I, I've done so many things over the years to, to I mean, even last week I was at the, uh, I was out with a friend of mine and uh, I saw an old friend that I hadn't seen in like five years. And he said to me, he said, Hey, you know, you still doing the sports betting stuff. I said, yeah, I am. He goes, that's great. You know, you always were good at that. I said, yeah, I'm also doing a, a podcast about the mafia. And he's like, I love the mafia. I love the Sopranos. I said, well, you know, check out my podcast. He subscribed. So I'm constantly pushing what I'm doing to people. Like there's always a viewer out there. There's someone that's always maybe interested in what I'm doing. I was at the barbershop today, barbershop, barber put on my uh, YouTube channel. There was a guy in there and goes, that's you, isn't it? And I was sitting in the chair. He goes, yeah. I said, yeah, it is. He goes, that's good shit. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, go subscribe to my channel. He subscribed to my channel. So like, I'm always looking to grow the audience and also make the right connections and little connections that I made have turned into being big ones. And, you know, in turn, it's allowed me to create my own platform for myself as well. I like that. I like that a lot. I think that was one of the things, you know, when I started doing this, it's just that it was sort of that shell. Like I'm, I'm normally a confident guy, but for whatever reason, I couldn't market myself. Maybe it was the way I was raised or something, but I, I think you speak right to it. It's kind of that always hustle, always be looking to make that connection or finding an opportunity to gain a new listener is just so important and valuable. It's like you're always on the clock almost, I think is, is essentially what you're sort of saying. If, if I misunderstand, yeah, you just no, kind of always got to be on the clock. That's exactly what I'm saying. You know, like uh, even, you know, you have to build stuff too. Like you have to, I remember, you know, in 2018, I, I gave it all my college basketball picks for free. And I got that idea because I was, I was, I was researching mob stuff like many years ago. And we did an episode on this guy, uh, Kabani Savage. He was a drug trafficker in Philadelphia. He was a very heinous individual, but when he was first starting out, he, he would give drugs away for free. And oh. people asked him like, why are you giving drugs away free? He goes, because I want them hooked. And then when they're hooked, they're always going to come back to me. And it was like, uh, they related it to like Rita's water ice. Like they give oh, water yeah. ice for free. I remember the first those. day of spring. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so I always like, I kind of set the stage for years that I knew what I was talking about. And, you know, and then people just kind of became comfortable with me and they always knew that, you know, regardless of whether I had a winning season or a losing season, they always knew they were going to get really good info from me. And, you know, that's kind of been how I've been able to do it. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's worked out. I agree with that sentiment. That's something that I'm trying to do. You know, if I give out a pick or something, it's I have researched this as best I can. I'm giving as much info as I can. I've watched the film. I've watched the tape. I've gone through the statistics, everything in that way um, to hopefully build credibility. I, I like the way you've done it. It comes across very clear that that's kind of how you've been. Um, I just try to say everything life. in a concise manner, you know, like when I'm explaining something like I don't use a lot of the time, big words. I don't like use these analytical terms. I just try to be like, if I were listening to this, how would I understand it? Right. And, and whether it's mob stuff or, or sports or whatever, I just try to do it as easy as possible and, and be very descriptive and tell a story and, and make it easy. Do you feel like that's a skill set that you've grown over time or that's always kind of came naturally to you where you can take that information and still give out the information, but give it in a way that is 
easily understandable and still gives you credibility while still being entertaining to the listener? Or is that something you've kind of developed over time? No, I developed it over time. And I, I talk with like colleagues of mine all the time. And uh, my friend, Donnie Wright said, and I, we talk about it all the time. And we talk about how, you know, we do stuff that like a lot of people can't do. Like a lot of people can't just get on a mic and, and freestyle for two hours straight. You know, we've always been able to do that. And, and, you know, I think being personable with people, most people aren't going to sit and do podcasts and do live streams, do this and that. Like I've always tried to get to know the people that I'm working with or, or, or talking to. And yeah, it is a skill to do certain things as far as being able to memorize. Like, I don't think there's anyone on earth truly outside of one or two people that can sit there on a Saturday and, and go over every single game, 150 games on a college basketball card. That's a skill in itself. Yeah, uh, especially with, and I applaud you even more because you do football and basketball. I don't even start to transition to basketball until after the football season's over. I don't know right. how you do that. I, I honestly don't know how you find the time in that that area. How do you find the time for this? Um. Well, I don't really uh, have a life, I guess. Um. But I, I've I've started to just kind of. It's not as. It's not as hard as it seems. Like. I spend no time handicapping these cards. I, I feel like if you're still handicapping, at least in my case, by February 17th, like you should know something. I know something about every team in America. Like I don't, I don't need to sit here and handicap and I can kind of say to myself, okay, okay, that line is good. It isn't good. And yeah, it's hard. It takes a lot of time, but um, I think it's worth it in the end. So I put time into it. I sit here and I read and I, I watch games and, you know, I always have a good mind. And that was something that, you know, I always hope I have, you know, as I get older, I hope my mind doesn't go, you know, that's kind of my, my bread and butter, you know? Yeah, I agree. And that's a good point too. The more I think about it is when you kind of get to the end of the season, you are just like, that feels fishy. That doesn't seem right. That seems like a lock, right? Or I shouldn't say a lock, but that seems like a solid line. Um, Transition to basketball before, you know, we let you go. I appreciate all the time you spent here. I do have a couple questions for the basketball season because I, am just now getting into it. And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you two things that are on the tip of my tongue here. What is up with your hate on the Big East? Why do you have to hate my conference so much? I know we're not the best, but come on. <laughs> I don't hate it. I, I, It's not that I hate it. I just, I'm not a big fan of it. I think it's very difficult. There's a lot That's of, fair. You know, there's not a lot of, it's just a bunch of average teams, I think, to me. Um, you know, it's a lot of luck involved. New Providence has been super lucky. Some of the other teams. And quite frankly, I just think it's a crapshoot to shit show every game. And that's fair. I'm not in this to bet shit shows. I'm in this to to try to find an angle and it's just become really hard for me. And I think as a gambler, you have to be willing to realize like, Hey, that's not for me. And look, luckily there are 32 other conferences that, that I can bet on. So um, I just, it's not that I hate it. I just, I don't like it. And I just look, for other ones that makes me feel better that it's more from a gambling perspective how have your oh, mentions yeah. been because i know uh, the Big East group can be a little bit i don't know how they compare to other conferences but i just know within my timeline it's an absolute shit show half the week of just pure rage and i chalk it up mostly because the vast majority of schools outside of villanova and butler i think and they're barely playing football um are all basketball that's all they have um how have you how has that gone um kind of in the mentions there do you feel like conference, yeah, I mean, conference it's tougher fanboys are fanboys i mean people get pissed <laughs> off because you don't like their team i just kind of tell you to get over it i i'm not in like this that. for fanboy nachos and, and, and <laughs> chip stuff you know i i'm in this to make money i i don't really you know i get people are fans and you know sometimes i'm wrong on things and they'll let me hear about it at some point but i don't really pay attention to a lot of it a lot of the time yeah, I love that. Everybody picks 100% winners on the internet and never has a loser. That's oh, my yeah. favorite where it's like, okay, 
calm down here, bud. Yep. That's um, how it is. It always, it's just, it's just the cycle of the nature, it's the nature of the beast. I don't know, I messed that line up there. Um, two teams. I, I'm, I'm just getting outside of the Big East. I'm an alumni of Xavier, which has been a depressing show of late recently. My dad went to Providence. My aunt's UConn. Two cousins with Devono. Heavy Big East. That's the only area I've really watched so far. Watched a couple other things. Am I crazy for thinking going into this that Purdue and Kentucky have legit shots at making a run? Like they're the two teams. Like I look at Auburn. I feel it, it, maybe I'm wrong here that they're just they're kind of iffy for making a tournament run. The two teams that feel very solid to me are Purdue and Kentucky right now. Is that just insane of me to think at this point in time? No, no, I, I agree with you. I have features on both. Um, they're definitely in my yes, they can win it group. I agree. Auburn is not. Arizona is not. Um, yeah, I mean, they're both really good offensively. Uh, they made major changes, particularly Kentucky, with getting scores in there with whether it's Severe Wheeler, Kellen Grady, or, or Ty Ty Washington. Uh, Purdue obviously has a, a great front line. Jaden Ivey is one of the best guards in the country. Purdue needs to do a better job defensively. They haven't been good enough. But I think when the rubber meets the road, this is Painter's best team. And um, you know, I, I think they're going to make a deep run. Yeah, I, I agree with both those selections. They're they're on my cards. I mean, I have futures on both. I like that. One, can you give the listeners a team or teams that you like that nobody's really paying attention to that you see as potentially doing a little damage late here in this season? Is there anybody on your radar where you're like, nobody's paying attention to these guys, you should be because they could do some damage here? Yeah, Arkansas, 100%. I mean, great defensively, number one in the SEC in defensive efficiency. They're very deep. They're really good offensively. They're well coached. Um, I think they have one of the best two-way players in the country and um, in in um, the kid in the middle. I I, I just uh, – I like them. They're deep. They have kids that can just put the ball in the hoop and in no take. Guards are just great. You know, I like the kid Jalen Williams, as I said, in the middle. I just really high on them. They're playing great basketball right now, and uh, – you know, 100 to 1, 80 to 1, I think they're well worth it. I like that. All right. Any hope for me as a Xavier fan right now? I, I'm grabbing on. It's not been pretty recently. I don't know if you've watched much Xavier. I know a couple weeks ago we failed you there. It, it's a bad showing right now. Any hope to give me here coming into the season? Because I'm losing it day by day after losing to DePaul and well, St. John's. It's it's rough. I think there's hope. You just got to you know get to the tournament and, and figure it out then. They're, they're pretty poorly coached, in my opinion. I would have won a different way. You know, it's, you know, sadly enough, moving on from Chris Mack, I think was a bad decision. He, I think he's better off at a place like that over at Louisville, but um, yeah, look, they're not the, they're not the worst part of that league. Uh, it's all about getting in. You know, you want to start playing some good basketball and it matters most. Now would be a good time to start doing it though. I agree with that. I very much agree with that. Cause it is kind of shit or get off the pot time, especially for the steel error, because yeah. I've tried to defend him as best I can, but I, I it's indefensible at this point in time. Dropping to DePaul and St. John's at home, the ups and downs of this season, the inconsistency, the pl- undeveloped player development, underdeveloped player development, I should say. It's it's a rough scene. Um, I appreciate the time. Anything before we get off here that you'd like to kind of say to the audience or you know, anything that's on your mind that you, you've been holding back there? I can't say I have anything. I feel like we had a good conversation. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff Nader. That's where I do everything. Check out my podcast to sit down on Mafia History Podcast. If you enjoyed mob history, uh, that's all I have. I appreciate you having me on. Good luck with everything. I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. 
I love it. Thank you so much for spending some time here with us. Make sure to check out the Sit Down Podcast. Definitely make sure to follow him. I cannot stress it enough. You'll be better for it. Thank you, Jeff Nadu, for coming on today. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you.